Episode 9 of By Our Own Hands Old Man Seamus stood holding the rein of a horse. A young man with a long, thin face and short, dark hair shouted at him. His features were dark, but his pallor was deathly white. I need no help with my horse. Off with you, he shouted. The other two young men were silent. One of them had blonde hair and a broad, tanned face. His coloring was in stark contrast to that of the loud, obnoxious man. The other man was slight and dark-haired with a handsome but childish face. I told you to fetch me your master. Are you deaf? he added. You will have to be identifying yourself before I will be fetching anyone, old man Seamus said in a menacing tone. Mr. Adair emerged from the house. He walked towards the commotion with a broad smile on his face. When he was closer to the men, he extended his hand. "'Who might you be?' he asked, the loud offensive one. "'Dugald Rankin, sir,' he replied, extending his hand and vigorously shaking Mr. Adair's. The light-haired man stepped forward and extended his hand. "'Adam Grierson, sir,' he said." The slight man stepped forward and surprisingly shook Mr. Adair's hand with even more vigor than the other two. "'Archibald Campbell, sir,' he said. "'Welcome, welcome. It is a pleasure to meet all three of you. Please follow me,' Mr. Adair said. Mr. Rankin threw his reins at Old Man Seamus. Old Man Seamus glared at him. They all went into the house. Sean and I watched as Old Man Seamus took each horse to the stables.' I leaned closer to Sean and whispered in his ear. They speak strangely, I said. He turned around. They are Scotsmen, he said. He looked at me incredulously. Aoife, people in Scotland speak differently, he said. I know, I said, but I didn't. I had heard English accents before. Mr. Adair spoke with an English accent. I had never before heard a Scotsman speak. Why are they here? I asked. I don't know, he said. Soon all of Derivay would know that they had arrived and would be asking the same question that I had asked Sean. We would have to wait a long time for an answer. The following day, Mrs. O'Donnell stopped me after breakfast and asked me if I would run an errand for her. I was eager to do anything she asked because she had already endeared herself to me. She was the only person in the household that I liked as much as Sean. Yes, of course, Mrs. O'Donnell, I replied. You will need to fetch your young lad, she said with a wink. I blushed. I ran out of the kitchen and made my way to the stables. Sean was some distance from the stables collecting water at a tap. When I spotted him, I started waving my arms at him. He put down his bucket and ran to me. He could see that I was excited. He was panting and laughing when he reached me. What is it, Aoife? he asked. Mrs. O'Donnell has an errand for us, I said. He beamed. I knew his reasons differed from mine. Mrs. O'Donnell always rewarded us for any small task we performed for her. Our reward could be a special treat treats for Pegasus, or even something she had sewn or knitted by hand. One time I saw her give Sean a coin for carrying something to a neighboring cottage. 
We ran back to the house and into the kitchen. Mrs. O'Donnell was busy filling a couple of baskets with various items. I watched as she put a couple of bars of soap and some towels into one. Children, I need both of you to take these baskets to the new head steward's cottage, she said. Sean and I exchanged looks. I wasn't sure if he was thinking of the Scotsmen, but I sure was. I nodded. I must have looked very serious because Mrs. O'Donnell stopped working and looked at me with amused concern. She then looked at Sean. She made a point of putting down her work before speaking. You both look as if I've asked you to drink castor oil, she said. We both began laughing. Is the new head steward one of the Scots? Sean asked. Yes, he is. He arrived with his wife last night, she said. I was surprised. He wasn't one of the three that Sean and I had seen the day before. His name is James Murray. He and his wife are settling in, and I'd like to welcome them with the housewarming gift, she said. I thought that this was very thoughtful. I wondered if all of the Scots would receive such gifts from Mrs. O'Donnell. She answered my question before I could even ask. I am giving these items to Mr. and Mrs. Murray because Mr. Murray will also be the new estate manager, she said. I sucked in my breath. Sean swatted my arm lightly. Aoife, he said. Mrs. O'Donnell chuckled. Yes, Mrs. Barry is put out. I would avoid her today if you know what is good for you, she said, smiling. I smiled, too. I couldn't help it. I peeked at Sean and saw that he was looking at the floor and trying not to smile. Mrs. O'Donnell resumed her work. The baskets had handles. They were good-sized. I wondered how heavy each would be. They are taking a cottage at the far end of the road that leads away from the garden. It is the one that leads directly into the forest. There are a few cottages clustered in that area. They are taking the large one, she said. We watched as she quickly filled the baskets with towels, jars of jam, a box of tea, an entire loaf of bread, butter, honey, a jar of milk, and other carefully wrapped items. I knew the road she spoke of, and it was a long road. It would easily take us an hour to travel there and back. I almost protested when she grabbed a small basket of eggs and placed it into the larger of the two baskets. I looked at Sean with wide eyes. He, too, was adding up the weight of our load as she filled the baskets. I heard a noise behind me and turned to see old man Seamus entering the kitchen. He was pulling a wagon behind him. I breathed an audible sigh of relief. Did you think I was planning on having each of you carry one of these? Mrs. O'Donnell asked. She chuckled. Neither Sean nor I answered. We were too embarrassed. Old man Seamus lifted both baskets with ease and placed them onto the wagon. He maneuvered the wagon out of the kitchen. Sean and I followed him. Sean took the handle. I walked behind him to keep an eye on our load. We started down the road. Mrs. O'Donnell was wise to employ both of us for this task. At certain points in the road, I had to help Sean so that the wagon didn't tip over. 
I knew that it contained milk and eggs. We had to be careful so we didn't end up delivering a milky omelet to the Murray household. I was very focused on my task, but Sean made the task easier. He was very careful as we made our way down the road, which was more of a path than a road. I was so focused that I did not hear a horse approaching until it was nearly upon us. I glanced up and saw one of the three Scotsmen. It was Dugald Rankin. He stopped when he saw us. Good morning, sir, Sean said. This seemed to please Mr. Rankin. He replied with a half smile. Good morning, lad, he said. He glanced at me. I didn't want to speak to him, but I feared offending him. Good morning, sir, I said in a quiet voice. His smile broadened. It was not a warm smile. It was more of a sinister, sardonic sneer. I wondered if he was going to give us trouble. That is quite a load you two are hauling, he said, eyeing the wagon. Sean was quick to answer. We are taking a gift to Mr. Murray for Mr. Adair, he said. Mr. Rankin's smile faded. He nodded and moved aside with his horse to allow us to pass. We did so. Good day, sir, Sean said. Once we had passed, Mr. Rankin began a gallop. We heard his horse's hooves as he rode away. I knew that Sean was wise to call on the authority of Mr. Adair. I wondered why Mr. Rankin was so sour at the mention of a gift for Mr. and Mrs. Murray. Perhaps Mrs. Brady wasn't the only one who was put out. We passed a small cottage. Sean did not slow his pace. It was plain to see that the smaller cottage was not the Murray's cottage, because it was more of a cabin than a true cottage. It was gray, mud-spattered, and tiny. It was clearly inhabited because smoke billowed out of its chimney. We kept walking and passed another cottage. It was also too small to be the Murray's cottage, but it looked more spacious and kept up than the first cottage. Once we passed it, the road narrowed and we could see the entrance to the forest was not far away. We passed a small hedge growth and a large cottage came into view. It was a fine one. It was freshly whitewashed and the thatching was new too. There were two chimneys and the height of the cottage made it clear that the loft was a full-sized room. Several stones were in the path near the cottage and we had a considerable amount of difficulty moving the wagon over the stones. We were in plain view of the cottage, but the stones we were forced to drag the wagon over made the last bit of the journey in agony. Aoife, we are going to damage the wheels. Can you help me carry the wagon? Sean asked as he bent down and started to lift one end of the wagon. I stared at him, but I didn't move. I didn't believe that we could carry the contents of the wagon and the wagon together. I was about to tell him that we should remove the baskets from the wagon and carry them separately when my attention was drawn to a man that suddenly emerged from the cottage. He took long strides towards us. I stared at him. He looked to be younger than mother. He was rather tall and lean. He had a handsome face. His hair was dark and thick. His eyes were blue and his lids were dark. His skin was very pale. His features and coloring were like so many of my neighbors. He could have been Irish, 
As he got closer to us, he smiled broadly. I hope you are not planning on having that young lass help you lift a wagon, he said. His Scottish accent was very pronounced. Sean blushed. No, sir, he said. The man reached us and picked up the wagon easily. I am James Murray. Follow me, he said in a good-humored tone. I am Sean and this is Aoife, Sean said. A pleasure, he replied over his shoulder. I was so relieved that I wasn't going to have to lift that wagon or struggle to carry one of the loaded baskets. I was equally relieved that this man seemed very pleasant. He was not at all like Dugald Rankin or the sullen men he had brought with him the day before. We followed Mr. Murray to his cottage. As we approached Mr. Murray's cottage, a woman appeared at the door. She was very young and pretty. She had an undeniably proud countenance. Her dark hair was pulled back. Her pale face was not as pale as her husband's. She gave us a quizzical look and only the faintest of smiles. I felt uncomfortable. What is all this, James? she said. These children have come all the way from the Glebe house, I presume, to bring us these baskets, he said as he carried the wagon into the cottage. She looked at each of us more closely as we stood at the door. I am Sean Moore and this is Aoife Dorian, Sean said, motioning towards me. He gave her a broad smile. I looked at Sean and wondered if he was acting too bold. Mrs. Murray didn't think so because she finally gave us a warm smile in response to Sean's introduction. Come on inside, she said. She wore an apron that was very worn, but it was also quite clean. She ushered us in. I looked at Sean and saw that he was already entering the cottage. I followed him. I looked around inside. The sunlight had already started to pour into the cottage, which had an ample number of windows. I saw that the table had not yet been cleared from the last meal. It had three place settings. I wondered if they had a child. I watched as Mr. Murray placed the wagon on the floor with ease. Mrs. O'Donnell sent us. She wants to welcome both of you, Sean said. Very kind of her. Please give her our thanks, Mr. Murray said. We both nodded. We will, Mr. Murray, I said, finding my voice. Did you see our house guest on your way here, he asked. Sean and I exchanged looks. I looked at the third place setting again. I realized that Dugald Rankin was their lodger. I believe so, sir, Sean said. Mr. Murray laughed lightly, which I found odd. He glanced at his wife. Her smile vanished. I could see that she was annoyed. When she saw her husband look at her, she quickly recovered and gave him a faint smile. We told Mr. Rankin that Mr. Adair had sent us with a gift for you, Sean said. Mr. Murray laughed and actually clapped his hands. I watched Mrs. Murray's expression. I saw a flash of anger before she recovered herself again. Mr. Murray turned to her. Where did you put the purse? he asked. Mrs. Murray walked into a bedroom. I could hear her opening and closing a drawer or cabinet. I appreciate the two of you bringing this to me, Mr. Murray said. He walked towards the hearth and grabbed a bag. He brought it to both of us and opened it. It was full of lemon drops. Sean and I took turns reaching into the bag. We thanked him before stuffing the candies into our mouths. 
Mrs. Murray emerged from the bedroom. She walked towards us. Hold out your hands, children, she said. Her smile was tight, and the pleasantness in her voice seemed forced. We did as she instructed. She placed a penny in each of our hands. My eyes widened. We were each receiving candy and a coin. Mrs. O'Donnell would give us something, too. This errand was proving to be very rewarding. Our lemon drops had been quickly deposited into our mouths, so we each had two free hands. Since she had told us to hold out our hands, we had each held out both hands. Mr. Murray placed another lemon drop into each of our outstretched hands that were devoid of a coin. We thanked them and left the cottage. Once the door was closed, I whispered to Sean, I certainly like Mr. Murray. Sean nodded enthusiastically. We began walking back to the cottage. Mr. Murray had told us that he'd return the wagon that very day. I was still curious as to why Mrs. Murray had been so irritable after we had arrived with so many gifts from Mrs. O'Donnell. I also hoped that we would not encounter Mr. Rankin again on our return trip. As we walked away from the cottage, I looked back and saw something I had not noticed before. The land behind the cottage had been cleared. It was a vast area. Some fencing had been erected in a small area. I assumed that it was for a horse and that soon a makeshift stable would be built. Then I realized that the amount of land that had been cleared was far more than what was necessary for a horse. I wondered if he had livestock too. Sean watched me as I stared in that direction. He frowned. The Murrays have a few horses. They are fine. That is what old man Seamus told me, he said. His frown deepened. I wondered if he was jealous. I didn't speak. I knew that Sean would tell me all that he knew if I was only patient. Old man Seamus said that they will tend a large number of sheep, too. The sheep are arriving tomorrow. The other men are shepherds, and they are going to help with the sheep, he added. I nodded. I wasn't sure why this was bad news. I didn't want to ask and sound foolish. People are already speaking of it, and they are not pleased, Aoife, he said, his eyes widening. Why? I asked. The sheep are Scottish, and they are not to mix with ours. No one wants a mixed offspring, he said. I nodded again. I was not surprised. I knew that no one wanted a mixed union either. Mrs. O'Donnell had a son that had gone to Belfast for work. He had found a job and a lovely lass. She was Protestant. They had to immigrate to Canada because they could not marry and live in peace in our land. Mrs. O'Donnell told me that she would probably never again see her son. They are building a fence, I said. Only a small pen for the horses. The sheep will be allowed to graze on all of Mr. Murray's acres. He is renting all of the land that we passed on our way to his cottage, he said. I was stunned. I knew that most people rented small lots. That was the norm in Leash and Derryvay. Mr. Murray was renting dozens of acres, possibly even hundreds. 
our neighbor's livestock will not be able to graze on Mr. Murray's acres. If they do, he'll take their livestock to Mr. Adair's pound, and then they'll have to pay to get them back, Sean said. He must have a lot of sheep if he needs so much land, I said. Sean stopped. Aoife, the sheep are not Mr. Murray's. They belong to Mr. Adair. That is why everyone is so displeased, he said. I was quiet. I was trying to understand why it mattered if the sheep belonged to Mr. Adair or Mr. Murray. Sean stepped closer to me. People think that Mr. Adair wants to replace his tenants with sheep, he said. I almost laughed. I would have if Sean's expression had not been so serious. I don't understand. Mr. Murray is a tenant. If the sheep are not his, why does he need so much land? I asked. Aoife, Mr. Murray owns some sheep. He hopes to acquire more by working for Mr. Adair. That is why he needs so many acres, he said. I nodded, but I still didn't understand why this was such bad news. Aoife, the situation is not common. Landlords usually only rent large amounts of acres to someone who sublets, he said. Someone who sublets? I began to ask. Yes, if a landlord doesn't want to collect rent from several tenants, he sometimes rents a large amount of land to one tenant. That tenant then rents smaller amounts of land to several tenants, he said. Mr. Murray is renting a lot of land from Mr. Adair, but he is not going to rent that land to others, I said. Sean nodded emphatically. Yes, that is why so many people are uneasy. Mr. Murray is going to acquire sheep instead of tenants, he added. I wondered who was so uneasy about Mr. Murray's land. None of our neighbors were renting the land that Mr. Murray is renting now, I said. I knew this to be the case because, prior to the Scots arriving, no one had been living in the cottages that we had passed or the Murray's cottage. That is true, but they were using it, he said. Sean glanced sideways at me. He gave me a worried look. He hesitated before he continued. What is it? I asked. Mr. Adair doesn't like his tenants. That is why he hasn't given them new leases. He doesn't want tenants. He wants to simply raise sheep and pay a small number of men to take care of his sheep. Those men will be his new tenants, he said. I shook my head, remembering what Mrs. O'Donnell had said to me. No, no, Mr. Adair's tenants pay him rent. That is why he is so wealthy. Hundreds of tenants pay him rent. A few Scotsmen cannot possibly pay him more, I said. As much as I trusted and revered Sean, I held the opinion of Mrs. O'Donnell in higher esteem than that of Sean. She was certain that Mr. Adair would not evict his tenants. He may not like them, but he wanted to keep them. He wanted them to keep paying him their rents so that he could live in a fine house. He couldn't live in a fine house if he only had a few tenants. Sean sighed. You don't understand, he said in a tone that was just shy of condescending. I glared at him. You are the one who doesn't understand. Mr. Adair is too greedy to do without his tenants, I shouted.
Sean's eyes widened. Aoife, Mr. Adair doesn't need tenants if he has sheep. They cannot pay him as much as he will make rearing sheep. Sheep are more profitable than tenants, he said. I was silent. I wondered how sheep could possibly be more profitable. I also wondered if my dearest friend was temporarily mad. It sounded ridiculous. Sheep are not more profitable than tenants, I said. Oh, Aoife, you are so ignorant, Sean said in an exasperated tone. I turned on my heel and stomped away. I didn't turn around to see if Sean was following me. As I walked towards the house, I thought of Sean's words. I was confident that I was right, because Mrs. O'Donnell had explained it all to me. It dawned on me that someone of a different opinion than Mrs. O'Donnell's must have spoken to Sean. He was just too sure of himself. As soon as this thought entered my mind, I turned around. Sean was still standing where I had left him. I stood still and waited for him. He started walking towards me. Aoife, I'm sorry if I upset you. I didn't mean what I said, he said. I waited for him to reach me before I spoke again. Who has told you that Mr. Adair is going to get rid of his tenants, I asked. Sean stared at me with surprise. He hesitated before he answered. I could tell that he was embarrassed. Sean gave me a faint smile. I glared at him, daring him to refuse to answer me. You are right. I have been speaking with someone, he said. Who? I asked. Old man Seamus, he said. I didn't respond to this. I didn't know enough about old man Seamus to form an opinion about his opinions. Sean and I started walking back to the house.